All right, back in Tucson. This is a pleasure. So, uh, I thought we would talk on uh, a verse in the 15th chapter of the Gita. Is that good? Unless anybody has something else that they would rather discuss. Can I ask a question? Are people warm right now or can I turn the noise off? Okay. How do you feel? What do you think? How about this little fan? Yeah, that'll work. If anybody gets warm, just let us know. We'll make some adjustment. Fifteenth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. The Yoga of the Supreme Person. Text 19. And by the way, if, if anybody has any questions once I read through the verse... Please stop at any time, okay? This isn't anything formal. We're just all friends talking about Krishna. So if you have something, question or comment, please, anytime. Nineteenth verse. Yama meva asamudho janati purushottamam sasarva vidbhajatimam sarva bhavena bharata Translation. This is Krishna speaking. Whoever knows me as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, without doubting, is the knower of everything. He therefore engages himself in full devotion, full devotional service to me, O Son of Bharata. So, I I always like to uh, say it and, and repeat it. It's good for us all to say the verse. So I'll say it and you can repeat Whoever knows me knows as the Supreme Personality of Godhead without doubting is the knower of everything. He therefore engages himself or herself in full devotional service to me. O son of Bharata report by Śrīla Prabhupāda. There are many philosophical speculations about the constitutional position of the living entities and the supreme absolute truth. Now in this verse, the Supreme Personality of Godhead clearly explains that anyone who knows Lord Krishna to be the supreme person is actually the knower of everything. The imperfect knower gets on simply speculating about the absolute truth. But the perfect knower, without wasting his valuable time, engages directly in Krishna consciousness, the devotional service of the Supreme Lord. Throughout the whole of Bhagavad Gita, this fact is being stressed at every step. And still, there are so many stubborn commentators on Bhagavad Gita who consider the supreme absolute truth and the living entities to be one and the same. We've heard that. Anybody heard that philosophy? I am God, you are God. Well, there was one uh, uh, so-called yogi that was starting, he was giving this uh, uh, lecture, and he said, he started out by saying, I'm not here to convince you that I'm God. I'm here to convince you that you're God. <laughs> you know, so that was the gist of that. <laughs> I'm going to convince you that you're God. So we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later on. What kind of angry people in this world? 
Huh? There's all kinds of negative people in this world. Negative? Who would convince you that they are God or they think they are God. Oh, yeah. There's Anytime you have a big gathering, mm -hmm. there's always one God. Mm -hmm. You know, at least one God shows up. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of people, too, are just confused. They feel that, like, that they're being suppressed by the world in which God is greater, is so much greater than everyone. Like, New Age people, you know, uh. who say... There was one man who said something, and who, you know, who are we to say we are not God, you know? And it was because, simply because he was ignorant of the fact that the Supreme is a benevolent, merciful God that he is part of. Right. So he needed to feel like, in order to feel that loving God, he had to feel like he was God, but he didn't understand he was so, like, arrogant, you know, about it. So yeah. I think it was more ignorance than, yeah. you know, negativity. Just Ignorance? Because there's so much, uh, there's so much ignorance being passed around these days. It's the nature of the material world. Uh, remember, let me get back to that. Let's let's get to that. That's a strong point that we want to talk about. I'm going to finish the rest of this uh, purport, but let's let's do talk about that. Okay. Vedic knowledge is called Shruti, learning by oral reception. One should actually receive the Vedic message from authorities like Krishna and his representatives. Here, Krishna distinguishes everything very nicely, <clears throat> and one should hear from this uh, hear from this source. Simply to hear like the hogs is not sufficient. One must be able to understand from the authorities. <clears throat> it is not that one should simply speculate academically. One should submissively hear from Bhagavad Gita that these living entities are always subordinate to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Anyone who is able to understand this according to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, knows the purpose of the Vedas. No one else knows the purpose of the Vedas. The word bhajati is very significant. In many places, <clears throat> the word bhajati is expressed in relationship with the service of the Supreme Lord. If a person is engaged in full Krishna consciousness in the devotional service of the Lord, it is to be understood that he, is, has under, uh, he has understood all the Vedic knowledge. This is really important. I'm going to read this again. If a person is engaged in full Krishna consciousness in the devotional service of the Lord, it is to be understood that he, is, uh, that he has understood all the Vedic knowledge. And in, in other words, service to Krishna, bhakti yoga, includes everything. Okay? And we'll, we'll touch on that too. <clears throat> in the Vaishnava Parampara, it is said that if one is engaged in the devotional service of Krishna, there is no need for any other spiritual process for understanding the supreme absolute truth. He has already come to the point because he is engaged in devotional service of the Lord. He has ended all preliminary processes of understanding. But if anyone, after speculating for hundreds of thousands of lives, does not come to the point that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and that one has to surrender there, all his speculation for so many years and lives is a useless waste of time. Strong words. Srila Prabhupada uh, 
is famous for speaking strongly. Mm -hmm. Very true. You see? Um, the reason why sometimes people ask me, they say, well, you know, your guru, he's always speaking so strongly. You know, other so-called gurus, when they come through town, they speak in real sweet, soft words, you know. You're a very nice devotee. I know. You know. This one person, uh, there was this one impersonalistic, uh, let's, let's say sannyasi, uh, was in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, giving a class. And uh, this person uh, asked for questions, and one person said, oh, when I meditate, I sometimes see colored lights. And the, the, the so-called sannyasi said, Oh, that shows you're making great advancement. You're almost there. Keep it up. And whatever nonsense anybody said, they would say, Oh, you're so advanced. And you're so... Srila Prabhupada was so... Uh, because he carried the absolute truth. When you said something nonsense, he would say, Oh, that is nonsense. You see? Because if... Uh, if you go, for instance, the doctor has some compassion for healing. That's typically why they become a doctor. So if you go to the doctor and he tells you, <clears throat> you should not eat any more sugar, you're almost diabetic. You know, so you should cut out the sugar. And you say, yes, but when I eat sugar, I feel so close to God. Or I have so much understanding. And the doctor says, oh, then... You should eat sugar. You see? So in other words, to keep you as my friend, to keep you coming back to see me, and to keep you coming and paying uh, your 80 or $90 every, uh, once a week or once every two weeks, you see, it's okay if you go ahead and get, diabe get diabetes. If you persist, sometimes someone may say, well, I just can't live without sugar. Oh, then you should have it, you know. You see? It's what you want, isn't it? You know what's good for you. If it's your thing, then you should do it. If it makes you feel good, we used to say that back in the hippie days, if it feels good, do it. You know? So, uh, we can see, though, that uh, it's that's hogwash. Because if... Uh, and some people, they can't eat very much salt because of their blood pressure. So, if I say, if you say, well, this stupid doctor told me that my blood pressure is so high, my veins are going to pop. I might have a hemorrhage in my brain if I eat salt. But I love salt on everything. And I said, well, you know, if you, know, if you like it, then you should do it. Is that compassion? Listen to your heart, brother. Listen to your heart. <laughs> your tongue is, is saying, I want salt. You know? Well, I, your tongue is saying it wants sugar. Yeah. It's been telling you that for a long time. And it got you in trouble. Now you almost have diabetes. <laughs> so should you keep listening to your tongue? I don't think so. So part of this verse... Prabhupada is talking in the purport here that we should hear from authorities. So, uh, why is it that we should take 
shelter of our authorities in like if uh, <clears throat> if I'm accused of robbing a bank or some crime you see and then uh, it looks like they, they, they're gonna take me to jail well I need an attorney you see I have to or else I may go to prison so I go and I hire an attorney and I listen to what he says if he tells me look get a haircut uh, show up in a navy blue suit, you know, with a tie, and do like this, and do like that. Oh, yes, yes, sir, you know, because I don't want to go to jail. You, you can't save me, can't you, Mr. Attorney? Yes, but you have to do what I say. Oh, well, I'm your servant, buddy, you know. So, he'll even tell you how to look in the courtroom, look like this, you know. You know, don't look... Don't look happy, look sad, or whatever. He gives you coaching. And typically, those who are uh, intelligence will follow. You see? Uh, if, you ha if you hire an, an accountant to do your taxes, you accept his authority, don't you? You don't say, well, I think I, would, I, I should count these other things as a deduction. The, the accountant says, no, no, the IRS won't like that. They'll, they'll audit you. Well, I want to do it anyway. I think it's right, so I think, well, you don't. You say, oh, okay, thank you for letting me know. We can go on and on and on. The authority of a doctor, the authority of an attorney, the authority of an accountant. There is, like it or not, there is authority in the world. No, we don't really like authority. So why is it when it comes to spiritual life that we want to give up authority? I want to do it my own way. You know, so have you ever talked to anybody and you say, what is your religion? What is your religious belief? And they say, well, I have my own way. I have my own. And you say, well, what is that? I have my own. Yes. I was just talking to someone last night who's who said exactly that. He didn't like religion because he didn't like being told what to do. Right. See? Mm -hmm. So I explained to him that religion is just, the religion is the, the principles <coughs> of regulated life that allows us to follow Dharma. Or, and it's actually that we're not supposed to be told what to do, but, but first offered religion so that we can learn how to live a regulated life which allows us to enjoy life in a balanced, disciplined way that actually right. gives us real happiness. When I told him that, he was actually like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, that makes so, that makes sense. Yeah. But I don't I, I don't like. As a matter of fact, Sunday we're going to have a, a lecture. We're going to talk about. A lot of people like to say, "Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm spiritual, but not religious." Right. Especially you know. now. Yeah. Uh, I I think part of that is. Because I hear what you're saying, I think there's such a distinction f uh, between Western religion, uh, meaning and my background is Catholicism, mm, yeah. and Eastern religion, which I really started delving into when I was in my late 20s, you know, through Buddhism, I lived at the Zen Center in San Francisco and mm -hmm. all that. So there's a really big difference. I saw a book on the shelf at Bookman's that really kind of made sense to me, and it simply said, was written, I, you know, I didn't read the book, I just thought the title was provocative. It simply said, When Religion Becomes Evil. And he was not talking about 
the good religions, because there's good religions, but there's also really negative religions. I think there's religions that are very distorted yeah. and, uh, and almost perverse, you know, and, and, the w and what they tell people to do, the, the guilt tripping. So I think we're in an age when people have been either beat up by their religious uh, upbringing, uh, and so they have like that sense of like, if that was my experience, then probably all the rest of them are very similar. Right. Therefore, I'm going to remain away from all of them, aloof, and I'm going to become spiritual, but not religious. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there's enough of that going on that a lot of people, it happened to me, uh -huh. I talked with her, it happened to her uh -huh. on the East Coast, happened to me on the West Coast, uh -huh. it must be happening in between. So I want to be spiritual. Well, I don't want to be religious. So, because a lot of people don't understand really what the origin and the meaning of religion is. That's the problem. It's not religion. It's the misuse and perversion of regulations of religious of of laws, and and it's that perversion and misuse of it that is evil. That's and, and religion is simply a vehicle to take us someplace. It's a path to take us someplace. You see, it's not that we become uh, eternally religious. What does Krishna say? And in, uh, in towards the end of Bhagavad Gita, in the 18th chapter, 1866, I think it is, 66 verse, Arjuna wants to know. We've been talking. You know, there's 700 verses in Bhagavad Gita. Now this is towards the end of them, and Arjuna said, all right, what is your ultimate message for me? What's your ultimate secret, my dear Lord? And Krishna says, Sarva Dharma Parigya He says, give up all forms of religion. God says, Sarva Dharma, Sarva all, Dharma, religion, all religion. Give it up. And surrender, and surrender to me. Become my devotee. And guess what? I will deliver you personally. Now that you have come to me, you're here. You don't need the vehicle anymore. So religion is not an eternal thing. It's not something that we just always do. You see, religion is supposed to do something for you. It's not that you just do it because you're supposed to, or if you if you don't do it, you'll go to a bad place. You see, religion should give you something. It should take you somewhere. You should make that demand. You have a right to make that demand, not a request, but a demand on religious practice. I want something, and I don't want to wait till I die to see if I if, if I cast my faith in the right. I want it. I want it now. Or as soon as I can get it. You see? Now, I'm not expert on, on so many different religions. I know a little bit about many. Uh, but I do know that in uh, the practice of devotional service, you don't have to wait until the moment of death to find out if you've cast your faith in the right way. You will know. In the seventh chapter, the very first verse of Bhagavad Gita, what is it that Krishna says? Krishna says that I want you to know me in full. Now, early in the Bhagavad Gita, he's asking Arjuna to have faith. Have some faith. I want you to have faith. 
Now, where is that faith going to go? I want you to know. Faith turns into knowing. Faith doesn't just sit out there and be faith. If it does, then you're doing something wrong. Either you're not faithful enough or you've, you haven't cast your faith in the right direction. You see? Faith, should there should be a return. There should be a harvest. You should get something for it. Faith is trust. Trust taking a leap of faith in something that you want. Right. So you go, okay, I'm going for I don't know. And then when you take that leap and you find that that trust, that shelter, that stability is there, then you have trust. Right. And that Knowledge. It, it let's it, think about it. We don't, a lot of times we go so fast in life we don't stop and think. You know, let's think about it. Faith. What, name things, if anybody knows of anything, that you cast faith in and you never know until death whether that faith was right. Can you think of anything? Credit card? No. You'll know. You have faith when you go to, that's a good, when you, when you go to the pump to get gas, you've got faith. I'm going to stick my credit card in here. You know, it says put in your pen. I've got faith that it's going to accept it and it's going to let me pump my gas. Now when the machine says, uh, go ahead and pump your gas, lift the handle, now I have knowledge. If I meet you someplace and I think, you know, he may be a nice person, I think he'd make a good friend. I'm having faith. Hey, let's get together, let's spend some time together. After some time, I know whether I was right or wrong. If you make an investment, you think it's going to be a good investment. After some time, you know. Is there anything that you cast faith in but and you never ever find out if it was right? Until you die. Until you die. If you if that. Yes. I think a lot of the faith that different religions are offering, like specifically, you know, the Catholic Church and different Christian churches that I visited. I mean, I love Jesus. I think I have I have faith in Jesus, but what some of the churches are offering is so their philosophy isn't complete, and so the, the what's lacking? I guess a personal, like a, a pathway, a way to form a personal relationship that gives you, you know, practices you know, something real, tangible, that you can experience the Lord, that you right. can experience. And, and the only way to truly experience God is through loving Him. So any religion that says the purpose of this religion is to get you to love God, I don't care what they call themselves, they're bona fide. They're bona fide. Yes? 72 virgins. <laughs> yeah, so you, do. yeah, you get. You don't find out till you get there. Yeah, <sighs> have faith. Yeah. You know. Lord. <laughs> what what if you got there and there was there were only seventy one? What would you do? Uh, ask for my money back. I want my money. Yeah, I right. want my faith back. <laughs> yeah. Give me my faith back. You know. I'm sorry I put the explosive vest down. I want to go back now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
spiritual world? Huh? Being in spiritual world? Mm. Yeah. yeah. We have we have <coughs> we, we we must we must have faith in a process, in any process, that it will deliver us to the to the uh, point of Krishna Prema. Pure love of God. That is what we want. We want to regain our lo our lost uh, dormant love of God. We have it, and we deserve to have it back. It's uh, it's like we have temporary amnesia at this point. We've forgotten who we are. I'm thinking I'm this body. I'm an American. I'm this. I'm that. You see, but I'm not. I think that I'm a human being. And I'm here having a spiritual experience. And I've got it so wrong. I'm a spiritual being, and I'm here having a human experience. I'm trying so hard to have a human experience. I'm trying to be a human being, and I'm not. I'm an eternal living entity. And I'm driving this machine. You see? Actually, it most of the time is driving me. <laughs> because I think this is me. So whatever this body wants, if my tongue wants some, lots of sugar, I think I want sugar. If I'm not my body, I'm not my mind. So some people really have to ponder this when we talk about the, the, the depths of uh, self-realization. Who are you? When, when, uh, when, when you start to feel that I want something, the mind is telling you, oh, I want this. Or, oh, no, no, I want this. And I, I you know, it kind of goes back and forth like that. We're thinking, oh, I'm wanting and I'm wanting. And, you know. But no, it's just that the mind, the, the mind is actually the sixth sense. People talk about the, the sixth. There was a movie like that, wasn't it? The sixth sense. Yeah, the psyche. Yeah. Well, the mind is the, is the, is the sixth sense. And what the, the purpose of the mind for a human being is to, when the tongue says, I want sugar, the mind, if you've trained it properly, will say, get out of here. You get sugar, sugar, you're going to be diabetic, and you're going to have to do insulin and all that stuff. And, you know, you're going to die early and maybe lose your limbs, and that's ridiculous. No, you cannot have sugar. The tongue, well, I want it. Well, you can't have it. You see? But instead, the tongue says to the brain, to the mind, I want sugar! And the mind says, yeah, sugar, how can I get it? See? Oh, yeah, there's a, a Dairy Queen over there. Or I'll pull in here and get a candy bar or something, you see. Yeah. Hmm. I, I heard a quote, and I, I, I don't even know which book it's from. I think it's from one of, one of our Krishna books. And uh, it, was, it really just, it was like, I call it a Dharma slap. You know, because we all catch ourselves <laughs> getting, in, you know, just being swayed by anything in the environment. And so the quote was, how long do you intend to waste your life lying in the lap of the witch called Dharma, uh, called uh, Maya? Maya. How long do you uh, intend to waste your life lying in the lap of the witch called Maya? Yeah. I thought, whoa, that was just... Powerful. I don't know who that was. Illusion. It could have been Prabhupada. I don't know. It was one of our books. I'm pretty sure. That uh, comes out of the songbook. Oh, is that who it? Okay. 
That's just a real. Yeah. I call those Dharma slaps. It yeah. wakes you up if you're. Which we need, you know. <laughs> yeah. we, we need a wake up call once in a while. How long, and the, 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 uh, that, that's a strong question. How long? How long will we? The choice is up to us. We have uh, uh, freedom of choice. We have free will. Krishna gives us free will. You get to make your own your own choices. It's the only there. There's there's a couple of things that we have control of. We have no control over, for instance, weather. Uh, Politics, we don't know what the politicians are going to do. Now they say if we all rally together and vote, yes, possibly, but you as an individual, you have no control. You see, um, you have no, no control over the economy. You have no control over your body. You, can, you know, you can't even, what, what control do you have over your body? Can you stop it from getting old? Can, Huh? We think we can stop it or make it happen. Or oh, we get convinced that we can, but if we think think it through, you know, mm -hmm. I can't stop my fingernails from growing. <laughs> and I hate it because I don't like cutting them, but I don't like them long. You see? I don't like shaving. Mm -hmm. But I don't like to have a fuzzy head and fuzzy face, so I have to do it because I, you know, I'd like to shave and then look in the mirror and say, okay, stay. <laughs> Just freeze. You know, you do your nails, get them so the dirt doesn't get up underneath. You say, okay, now that's it. That's the way I want you to stay. Stay. It won't happen. You know, well, Paul's ego leads us to judge other people also. Yeah. Yeah. And how they might look. Because I want to feel better about myself. So I'm thinking, oh, that guy over there, he's 64 years old, too. Man, I don't look anywhere near as old as he does. <laughs> oh, boy. This guy's had a rough life. He's not taking care of this, like me. You know? So now I've just stroked myself. Sometimes I hear people say that we should love ourselves. Did we talk about this last time we were here? Yeah. Yeah. We should love ourselves. All right, enough of that, though. Get over yourself. First thing, get over yourself. You know, why should why should I not love myself? Well, why waste any time not loving or loving yourself? Either one. You're an eternal living entity. There never was a time when you did not exist. There never will be a time in the future when you'll cease to be. You can't be dried by the wind pierced by a sword, burned by fire, you see? You're an eternal living, an eternal servant of Krishna. You have had direct association with the Supreme Personality of Godhead and have a way to go back to that association. So you're special. You are a part and parcel of God. You're not God, but you are part and parcel. You're extremely special. Okay? Now can we stop with the special? Okay? Do you love yourself enough? Okay, let's put that away. Now let's learn how to love God and everyone else. I'm okay. 
I know I've already convinced myself that I'm, I'm part and parcel of God, I'm special, I love me. Okay, now what about you? See? If I can focus on you, learn something about you, direct my love toward you, I'm okay. I'm, I'm eternal, and I know it. Okay? So, let's work on somebody that, that, that maybe doesn't know that they're eternal. Somebody that thinks they are the body. And convince them that no, you're okay. Don't worry. Don't be concerned about death. Death will come. But you can escape that. You can have this last death and go back home, back to Godhead. There was a Mataji who, when you um, spoke of this, either was the last time or maybe it was the time before that you were here, and she said, but how can we love ourselves? If, how can we love if we don't love ourselves? How can we love God? Yeah, somebody asked that in, in uh, Sunday Feast. In yeah, the Sunday and Feast also lecture. in the morning. Also in the morning. Yeah. Very true. Very true. But, but I mean, it's that just that she meant God inside. Yeah. And by loving your God inside of you, then you can come to know, come to love God outside of yourself. But then there's the point of self-absorption, where you become so. It's then it really asks the question: What is love? You know, what is expression of love? But we you know? we that's the problem most of us have is self-absorption. Right. Even if even if we don't recognize it, it's so, it's so subtle within us because it's what got us in the material world. It's why we're here. I was one at one time. Just let, let's paint the picture. All right, for eternity, going backwards, eternity really uh, doesn't have a direction. Eternity means that way and that way not starting now going eternity means infinite infinite Infinity. that way that way that way that way okay so uh, for eternity we were absorbed in Krishna his every movement the, the, the way he smiled charmed us we were absorbed in Krishna his, his every word, we hung on every word he said. We enjoyed every nanosecond that we, that we spent with him, you see. It was just delightful. We were absorbed in Krishna. And then, one day, we got absorbed <coughs> in ourselves. Kind of like, hey, what about me, you know? It's just, I've, I've given this example before. Let's say you're in the spiritual world, okay, and you're out in the, uh, in the forest picking these beautiful flowers. And the flowers are so fragrant that they're intoxicating. They're beautiful, dazzling to the eyes. And you're picking flowers for Krishna. And you come across this one flower that's exceptional amongst all the other exceptional flowers. And you look at it and you think, Oh, wouldn't this flower look beautiful in Krishna's turban? Hey, wait a minute. Wouldn't this flower look good in my turban? See? Deviation. And then the soul 
leaves. In other words, I want to be in that position. I want to be the center of it. What if I was the center of attention? I'm absorbed in Krishna, so is he, so is he, so is she. Everybody's absorbed in Krishna. What if they were absorbed in me? Ooh, boy, now that would be really something. If I had that flower, you see? This could be really great here, you know. So that's the contamination that seeps in. I start to wonder, oh, what if I had that position? What if I was in that situation where I was the center of attention? What if everybody bowed down and worshipped me and served me? Oh, interesting thought. A little bit of maybe a little envy of Krishna in his position. So Krishna doesn't get angry and say, oh, I'm going to damn you to hell. He says, is that what you like? With a sweet smile? Is that what you like? Would you like to be like me? Well, shucks. <laughs> yeah. I can arrange that. I can arrange that. Now Krishna could say at that point, that's not possible. You want to go someplace and be me. You can't be me here, but you want to go someplace and be me. There is no place. But he doesn't say that. I have a place. The material world. And you can go start out as Lord Brahma, the chief entity of the, of the solar system, Lord Brahma. The living entity, their first step into the material world isn't like a worm or a rabbit or a human being. It's a demigod, Lord Brahma, the creator and maintainer, the, the guy in charge. So Krishna says, if that's what you like, I have a whole universe that needs a controller. Would you like it? Well, yeah. Well, uh, me, number one, I can do that. You see? And Krishna says, okay, off you go. Have a good time. You see? Now he knows that you're going to get fed up with the material world competing. I'm trying to be Krishna. You're trying to be Krishna. I'm envious of Krishna. You're envious of Krishna. I'm envious of you because you're doing a better job of being Krishna than me. He's much more attractive, he's much more talented, she's much more knowledgeable. You see? I'm envious. Gosh, this guy's kirtan's so much better. You know. <laughs> but I'll try harder. Oh boy. We're all in a race. You see? He came to the wrong concert. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why it's so important in our on our path to learning the art of eternal love to be fully honest with ourselves about our feelings because when you actually experience selfless love the satisfaction is so is so fulfilling that you want more of it but you have to be careful because you're still in this material existence gonna come across people who are more talented who are more experts in the That's right. Now, if you have perfect love, what does that make how does that make you feel when you let's just say that you've learned perfect love means I've learned how to direct my love towards Krishna. That's perfect love. I love Krishna. He is my beloved. And I want I want to serve him as best as I can. I want to see him served. 
And then I see, oh, look how nicely she's serving Krishna. You're serving my beloved so sweetly. Oh, how could I not love you? You see? Not that, oh, I'm envious. I'm going to go tell Krishna that she says bad things about him when he's not around. You know? No. And I, I see, you, you, I can love you, and I can love you, and I can love you because of your love for Krishna. You see? Not because you're handsome, or you're pretty, or you're, you sing nice, or... You know, because when I walk down the street uh, with you on my arm, people look at me and say, oh, he must be wonderful because she is so pretty. That's false ego. I love you because of your love for Krishna. Mm. You've captured my heart because you love Krishna so much. You see? Now that's eternal. That's eternal. That's an eternal love. That's perfect love. Mm. That's pure love. So it, sh it should be that way. But we're envious. Now, how can, how do we know? Sometimes people say, "Yeah, well, a lot of people are, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't have that big a problem." But it's subtle. It's it's a. It's like these. Uh, uh, I don't know what they're called. Uh, I think malware. You know that your computer gets. It's little little programs that operate in the background. You don't even know they're there, but they have some influence over what's going on. You can go into a website and it'll plant these things in there. Yeah, yeah, you know. So these things are hap happening in the background even though I'm convinced that no, no, I'm not envious. I'm not that self-centered. You know, he's talking about that guy over there. He's not talking about me. You see? But it is. It's like that with us. You see? And we could, there's a test and I've used this a lot. So there's a test. Think about uh, Let's say we all have a group picture. We'll take a nice group picture, and then we pass the picture around. Who's the first person you look for? <laughs> well, I'm not absorbed in myself. I'm interested in my fellow man. Right. You're like, Ooh, was I blinking? Oh, God. <laughs> Damn, the light makes me look fat. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't put it on Facebook. Yeah, don't put that on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you see people, go ahead, hold that thought. You see people uh, taking pictures, and you think they're taking pictures for Facebook because they, they take the camera and they'll go, uh, I, I was in El Paso driving across, I went up on top of the mountain to look off into the valley, you know, to, to chant and just kind of be up there. And, but I was, it was a mistake because there were so many people up there. But I saw people and they would take their camera and they would get the, the, the scenery and back and they would go click and then he looked you know like, delete it <laughs> click <laughs> and they're doing all these different faces until they got one like oh yeah that's good you see <laughs> I saw this one guy he's taking like shot after shot and he'd make a face when he looked at it he didn't know I was looking at him <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Prabhu? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're talking about envy. I remembered um, a conversation between Narada and Dhruva. And Narada advises Dhruva, every man should act like this. When he meets a person more qualified than himself, he should be very pleased. 
when he meets someone less qualified than himself, he should be compassionate toward him. And when he meets someone equal towards himself, he should make friendship with him. In this way, one is never affected by the threefold miseries of this material world. Yeah. And what does Lord Chaitanya say? Lord Chaitanya says that we should see everyone as more advanced than us. We should consider ourselves lower than the straw in the street. We should be as humble as the grass, as tolerant as a tree. You see, and giving uh, respect to everybody. See, if you can get to the point that you love yourself, because we a lot of that's a buzzword now. You have to learn to love yourself. If you really do, then you know. Okay, I'm okay. Enough of me. You see. So then you can, you can once you you uh, cross over that hurdle. Now you can consider yourself lower than everybody else and get interested, offer respect to everybody, feeling that I'm okay. I don't, I don't have any problem. You know, I, I don't have, I don't need any glorification. I'm okay now that I have your association. I'm okay. I'm doing better. And if I can associate with you, I'll do better. Everything. I'm, I'm on the right path. Uh, things are coming up roses, as they say. So, so did we cover what we were going to talk about? There was something that I asked you to remind, remind me. Ignorance. Ignorance and... Um, you call me ignorant? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> people in this day saying, calling them, claiming to be God. Oh, yeah. Saying, you yeah. know, we're all God. I'm God. You're yeah. God with no understanding of the actual, you know, the real God, who we're all, you know, that gives us our, who is our life and soul. Well, it, it's kind of like Srila Prabhupada has the, the analogy of the sun and the sun rays, okay? It's just like if you're sitting in, uh, uh, in a room and the sun shining through a window, you can, you can see it. You can see it come into the window and it makes this big bright spot on the floor. You can put your hand in it and you can feel it's warmer. You're, that's the sun. You're in the sunlight. That sunlight is the sun. But yet the sun's up there. So the sunlight is part and parcel of the sun. But it's different. You see, so we are part and parcel of Krishna, but we're not Krishna. We are. I mean, if you analyze uh, chemical analysis, we're made of the same thing that Krishna's made of. But he's Krishna, and we're not. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say that I read that Krishna is the sun and Radharani is the, the rays of the sun. So they're one and the same, and if we come from, you know, so it's the same thing that you're saying, yeah. but it's just... She's um, the internal she's energy. She's the internal potency, and then yeah. we are their, their part and parcels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's like you're saying, we are, so in essence, yes, we are all God, material, but when you think of it like a family, a spiritual family in which the love, you know, on the eternal platform, love is eternal and we are all abiding in that love, then 
for the true personal relationship to exist. We have a supreme, we have a supreme, you know, lover and his beloved, and they love us, and our love for them is so important, and their love for us. So that relationship, that individual, that distinction is really important to us. Yeah. Because it's the integrity of the fabric of our family, our spiritual family. Yeah. Yeah, we have to we have to see ourselves um, as subordinate to Krishna. Now, um, that's the rub that a lot of people have when we were talking about religion. People feel like I don't want to be subordinate. I don't want to be subordinate. Well, keep in mind that's what helped us make the decision to leave the spiritual world to begin with. I don't want to be subordinate. I want to be equal to Krishna. I want to be maybe even a notch or two above God. Why not? Why, why equal? Why can't I be a little better? You know? How did he get to be God anyway? <laughs> you know, so we think like that, and that's why we that's why we find ourselves in this material world. I, I think to sort of turn the dime a little bit in terms because, because speaking about Krishna, I'm relatively new to this practice, so I'm I'm still. I'm practicing and loving the practice and just like kind of more and more as some people know me pretty well falling in love with the practice and having some pretty dynamic experiences however that being said <laughs> caveat yeah the caveat is that um, there's the mystical aspect of my personality that has no problem with loving Krishna but then there's all this this background data that comes from my Catholicism and all of my background training that says, are you nuts? Krishna's not a, I mean, there's no such thing as a person who's a god. Yeah. God is all um, spirit. You know, yeah. as a matter of fact, in the Bible it says God is spirit. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's funny, I'm, I, you know, it's, I'm not asking for an absolute answer here, but I think it's something I've been grappling with. I mean, I know that I, I met a, a, a guru, uh, how was the name? Bhakti Vikash. Bhakti, yeah. And I asked him, yes, the one that was just here, Bhakti yeah. Vikash, and he was, you know, kind of old school. He says, no, there's, uh, God is personal. There is no such thing as this impersonal God, blah, 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 blah. That, that didn't set right with me. I, I went home and there, I have to tell you one mystical thing that's been happening to me. Anytime I have a question, I'm almost getting the answer the same day. I'm so determined. So I went back. So I went back and I, I, I went and I read. Um, I had just finished reading. I was reading the final chapters of um, uh, uh, Radhanath Swami's book, you know, The Journey Home. Yeah. And I opened the page and as strange as it sounds, the very page that I looked at was the very question that I had, and it was, he was struggling, as you know he was in India and running from one guru to another and this saint to the other saint and whatever, and he was asking questions and seeking, and he had a question for uh, Prabhupada, and he said, is God personal or is he impersonal? And Prabhupada said, both. He said, no 
we cannot define, we really, as human beings, we really cannot define God. You know, it's impossible. You know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But essentially, that, that's what the answer was. And I thought, perfect. So for the devotee that is so inclined, as I obviously have that nature, to sort of personify the divinity in a person or a Krishna or Christ, you know, some people, are, they, that's their preference, then perfect. Others, for whatever reason, can't do that or have a hard time with that. They, don't, they can't personify it. Well, they haven't so, thought it through. Or they haven't thought it through. And I, that's where I'm at. I'm in that realm. And I don't See, in other words, you have conditioning. Right. You, exactly. you've, you've been, you have conditioning, uh, you know, in America we're conditioned to drive on the right side of the road. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're conditioned to do certain things. You know, when you go to uh, check out of the, of the store at Walmart, mm -hmm. your conditioning as an American is you go to the end of the line. Mm -hmm. Now, in India, you go to the front of the line. <laughs> so if they'll let you. In India, there is no line. There is no line. Well, there's a crowd. You, get in, you're, you're, you, know, you get into a crowd, try, everybody's fighting to get out to the... So, we're conditioned differently. So, uh, I have different conditioning. So, uh, but let's, let's analyze what you're talking about here. Here's the conditioning that God is spirit. It says so in the Bible. It says so here. This person said, I saw this yogi. I went to this talk and he was talking about how God is the universal energy. So, if there is this God, and we believe there is a God, okay? So, uh, is your God that you believe in uh, unlimited? Is God unlimited? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, well, uh, no, not really. He's got his limitations. Well, then he, how's he God? You know, doesn't sound like much of a God. Okay, so God's unlimited. If something is unlimited, that means it has everything. There's nothing it doesn't have. If God is unlimited, he has to have personality and form. He has to be manifest. And since he's unlimited, he also has to be unmanifest. So both. He both. 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 In the twelfth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, you should read, you should study this book. Twelfth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna asked, in the very beginning, he asked Krishna, hey, you've told me. Krishna explains the impersonal realization of him. And he explains being my devotee. So Arjuna says, which is better? Krishna acknowledges that there are both, that he is both. And he says, well, my devotee, one who practices uh, devotional service to me, in my opinion, is more perfect. But then he goes on to say, however, you can follow that process, the impersonal process. He's talking about himself. Because the impersonal is also him. But it's, the path is very, very difficult, he says. Very difficult to do, to do it without me. If you be my devotee, if you worship the personal side, you've got now you're, you're you're acknowledging me. Therefore, I'll help you. Here, take my hand. I'll help you. I'll carry you out of this mess that you got yourself into. If I'm not there, if I have no personality, and I'm just energy, and you feel that you can do it on your own, go for it. 
you know, sit on the hill all the more you want to. You'll be given the facility, but you won't ever achieve an actual relationship with God and experience that love, that bond, that eternal bond with the Creator and the Supreme and know, wow, my eternal well-wisher, my best Oh, but friend. what if I get, but what if I get nirvana? What right? Which is freedom from the suffering of the of the material existence. What does that mean, anyways? Anybody, everybody's heard that word, haven't we? Nirvana. Yeah, and I'm not talking about yeah. the, the rock group. I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still not fully understanding. It's a Sanskrit word. Nirvana is like Buddha taught nirvana, yeah. right? And that's like freedom from the platform of human suffering. It means freedom from know? everything. It freedom means from everything. So it's nothing. neutrality, like nothing. Nothing. Void. Lights out, roll up the sidewalks, put it all away, nothing. You put the sidewalks. They're gone. They're not there. Nothing. Stores are closed. Stores are closed. Can't shop anymore. Nothing. In that space, <laughs> so in, souls what, exist. When in we that get space. there, there's nothing. So therefore, you can be peaceful because you're not bothered by stuff. Him and him and. <laughs> <laughs> traffic and people. Obama and just people stuff thoughts I want to go someplace where there's nothing so I can have shanti so that's peace. a place so that means there's something devil's advocate you are the devil's advocate that's a place what? that's a place so that means something. there's something but it's not near from no there's oh. nothing no it, it, it's the part. absence of a place but if you want to go to a place, that means you're going somewhere. You're going, but you're going away from place. where. <laughs> it's nowhere. It's nowhere. <laughs> so it's a it's it's a where where there is nowhere. <laughs> there. What's it? What was your question? Does the soul and the mind go to nirvana, or is this? That's a good question. Like we know the, 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 the soul ideally should go without the mind. The mind, the, there's a, uh, we have our gross body and we have our subtle body. The subtle body is made up of mind, intelligence, and false ego. You know, you've got the five gross elements, uh, taste, sound, sight, touch, I mean, senses. Uh, the five gross elements, uh, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Okay, And they're in order as uh, things that can be perceived by the senses. Earth, water, fire, air, ether. Those, everything is made up of those things. And then the subtle elements are mind, intelligence, and false ego. Now when you change bodies in the material world, the mind, intelligence, and false ego go with the soul. Unfortunately, you know, the, the, the guys that keep us in trouble, mind intelligence and false ego, go with you, you see. So, but as you chant Hare Krishna, and as you perform bhakti yoga, the mind intelligence of false ego, the subtle senses, dissolve. To where there's just you, and you're not hampered by these, by these things. So, ideally, if you went to uh, the Brahma Jyoti, 
the dazzling effulgence, the bright light, nirvana. The oh, place nirvana where it's just, is the Brahmajyoti. It's another word for it, yeah. Oh, that makes yeah. sense, because I was like, if we know where the Brahmajyoti is, then where is nirvana? So that way it well, makes sense. The Brahmajyoti is, is the dazzling energy the, See, that we want to go and merge with. You see, it's we the. Don't. Well, that that people say that they want. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what the yogi, mm -hmm. the impersonalist Mayavadi, is is trying to achieve that merging with that, mm -hmm. and you leave the mind. You ideally, you go there. So, but the question is, if we do go there, and it's very difficult because again, you're de you're denying that 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 Krishna has personality. So, in other words, I'm not going to have any relationship with this Krishna guy. Okay. I'm doing it all by myself. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to meditate, and I'm going to get purified, and I'm going to withdraw the senses, and, and I'm going to go zoom off to the Brahma Jyoti. So here you are all by yourself. Well, no, there's other living entities there, but now you don't have a body, you don't have form, so I don't really have much of a perception who's there. I don't have perception. I mean, I know that there's other entities there, but I can't really recognize, gee whiz, I like you, you're nice. I like the way you serve Krishna. Well, you're not serving Krishna, so what the heck with you? You're just, you're in my space. Just be quiet. Keep the stereo turned down. And you're okay, you know? So there's no, how can you have a loving exchange with a light? I mean, you can look at it and think, oh, my beautiful light, I love you. Well, not really. <laughs> you see? So, so here you are. You're in Nirvana. You're in the Brahma Jyoti, and you're peaceful. And uh, feeling really good. Oh, this is wonderful. Here I am. Oh, you know. So, okay, now what? After some point of after a length of time, you're going to say, okay, now what? You, know, you need a job. Can somebody say something out there? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm going to want some relationship. I want to relate with somebody. I mean, or something. Maybe if I could just, if I had a dog or a cat. Or, you know, I mean, it's just, how long can you just sit and be peaceful. How long is that going to work? Maybe 100 million years? Who knows? So typically the living entity after achieving this, after working so hard to achieve this, decides I want, I want more. So you turn around, you go back to the material world, take birth, and you look for more. There's got to be more than nothing. There has to be more than nothing. I mean, duh. It's kind of funny, too, because most people get to their philosophy because they're frustrated. And then you go into nirvana, but when you come back to the material world, you have to start right where you left off. Yes, exactly. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you, you start right where you left off. You know? Yes. What, about people, what about souls of person who want to go to the spiritual world again? Ah, then you pursue that path. <clears throat> I mean, once they are in Brahma Jyoti, what are they? How are they? How are they going to get? They come back. They have to fall back down. 
to the to the yeah they come back world. into the material world they take birth again you know there's an interesting quote in the bible which has always confused a lot of people but it always to me it's always meant and, and you guys have heard me quote is uh in jesus says in my father's house so think of my father's house as being just everything that is you know in my father's house there are many mansions in my father's house there are many mansions and i always thought that that would earlier on now it's becoming clearer to me actually through yoga but the many mansions are the many planes of existence or maybe the maybe the various destination points that one because he's actually referring to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, yeah. Which is residing here and actually in the material universe. The heavenly planets are in our material universe and due to our pious activities. Um, and we can attain these heavenly planets. But actually the spiritual kingdom resides beyond the heavenly planets. So what, what, again... What you're saying is true. Yeah. But what she's saying is true as well. It's hard for us to determine reading the Vedas, where is Jesus Christ talking about? Right. We don't really know. I mean, th is this not the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. Tucson is part of the kingdom of God, isn't it? Yeah. So so are the, the, the upper planetary systems. Interesting is the, uh, the planet of Lord Indra, the highest demigod, is described as having uh, streets of gold and gates of pearls. Mm. Mm interesting yeah you know it's still in the material world now there is birth death I mean life is like hundreds of thousands of years it's incredibly opulent it's heavenly you know everything is beautiful and opulent and you say practically speaking no disease maybe teeny teeny tiny bit and then ultimately death there is old age but you may live 200,000 years, but you don't get old until six months before you're going to die. You know, here you are going along for 200,000 years, and all of a sudden you get sick, you get old, and you die. And come back here and, and try that. That's the place that uh, uh, the worshipers of the demigods are trying to go to, various planets of the demigods. So it's, it's unclear to me where is Lord Jesus Christ talking about? Now, Srila Prabhupada said uh, that Lord Jesus Christ is on Indraloka, on that planet. And he's there to, for his followers to come to. Those who, who truly love him and serve him, as we asked Prabhupada, what happens to a Christian at the time of death? If they're a true Christian, Prabhupada said they go to Jesus Christ. So they come to now. If you if you come to Lord Jesus Christ and you please Him with your love and your service, perhaps He'll take you to Krishna, His Father, into that kingdom, or give you some facility to get there. Somehow, some education. You see. You see what I mean? I do. Yeah. I just won't tell my patients that. I, I work. Yeah. What, what's, what's spoken about here stays here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. What, what are your patients? Uh, I work at Odyssey Hospice. I'm a chaplain. I'm a, I'm a, a hospice chaplain. Uh -huh. So a lot of you know a lot of the patients are, are in the dying process. Or, yeah. So they have a lot of you know for for those that are open, it's kind of like for those that are open, I share as much as I, I can that's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, I'm certainly not trying to do you know deathbed conversions. Uh, but I support them, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. No, I support them. You know, Chad, you're gonna go to hell. Exactly. I support them wherever they're at, but it's uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You'd be surprised how many people have very very esoteric questions, uh, way outside the realm of their spiritual practice, because as they get closer to the end, the doors open or yeah. some of the windows open yeah. of questions, and it's really yeah, it's an interesting place. Oh, oh, it's five till eight. What what mm -hmm. time? How, how when should should we wrap it up? Oh, we usually go till eight. Okay, so like pretty pretty soon. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember, I'm sorry. I had a question. Oh, yes, Joe. Most Christians believe that, you know, salvation is in heaven. But um, I was actually raised Jehovah's Witnesses, and what they believe is that there's going to be a paradise on this earthly planet. Hmm. How would that correlate with the Vedas, or is it just total nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> well, Lord Chaitanya came 500 years ago and started this. 10,000 year age, golden age of Lord Chaitanya. Uh, 9,500 years of it left. So, depends on how we define paradise. Uh, for the next 9,500 years, this is going to be a great place to be. Now, people are always saying, oh, the Mayans are right, this is the 2012, and the Earth's going to go poof. You know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. One thing that we know is that for 9,500 years, this is the most envious, enviable place to be in the cosmos because it's incredibly easy to get spiritual knowledge and go back to Godhead to escape birth, death, disease, and old age. It's at this time and place. It's like uh, it's like Krishna just deciding, I I want to give you mercy because I love you. I want to give you the ultimate. All you have to do is chant Hare Krishna. You don't have to sit on the hill and om. You know, you don't have to do any of these weird austerities. You don't have to do anything except chant Hare Krishna and work to the point to where you're chanting Hare Krishna in a purified state of mind. Uh, no offenses to uh, other living entities or chanting and hearing them and and then from chanting Hare Krishna you will start to serve Krishna you'll start to perform devotional service that's all you have to do so this is gonna this is spiritual paradise I mean this is if you were a yogi on other some other planet practicing uh, some mystic yoga with a desire to go back to Krishna you would probably take your birth here, now. This is the place to come, to check out of the material world, out of all the entire cosmos. Right now, for the next 9,500 years, this is the place to be. So we're all incredibly fortunate. This is spiritual paradise, you see. Now, this understanding, uh, everywhere else that there is a religion this understanding is, is uh, I could say, hidden. Well, it's hidden because no one's uncovered it, you see. Uh, typically, in religion, people practice religion because they want something, you know. Uh, I want salvation. 
I want my daily bread, my dear Lord. You know, so how does that prayer go? Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's sweet. Hallowed be your name. I worship your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I want your will on earth as it is in heaven. That's beautiful. All right, now, next verse. Now give us this day our daily bread. There goes the handout. Hey, while you're here, you know. It was great. It was leading up to the point, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My dear Lord, how can I serve you? How can I be your humble, loving servant eternally? So he had the chance, but he was, instead of zigging, he zagged. You gotta eat something you know? to do the service. Huh? You gotta eat something to do the service. Yeah, well, we should be working. Krishna will take it. <laughs> right, so when you. Krishna will provide. When you have heard the holy name, you have come to the place of beginning to trust. And when you are like in your position, you, have, you trust, you know Krishna is providing for you. So you simply are chanting the holy name and yeah. saying Krishna. And as, as this verse says, as Prabhupada says in the purport, that if you are practicing Krishna consciousness, if you're, if you're practicing uh, devotional service to Krishna, then you've already, it's to be considered, you've already done everything else. In other words, you've graduated. You've done it all. If you can do this, then you're ready to leave this material world. It, you, it, once you're performing devotional service, that includes mystic yoga, it includes all, it, it includes everything. You once see. you're performing bhakti yoga, you've arrived to the platform of transcendental knowledge. You've arrived to the place of, of Krishna's love, of knowledge of God. So it's not only that you're ready to leave, but that you are, you're departing. Yeah. Yeah. All aboard. <laughs> but how do we, like, one thing that I struggle with is that Unless we feel like we're still asking Krishna, like, oh, I want to be back with you. I want to be in your happy home. I want to be in your and then be back no, with that's you. Versus perfect. That's perfect realization. It, well, go ahead, go ahead with your question. But what if, like, we have a purpose? Like, what if Krishna wants us Absolutely. to go to another planet? It's like, how can I get to the platform of saying, like... That's a perfect question. Krishna, I want to serve you in whatever way. Like, even if I can't be back hanging out with you, how can I be happy? Even if I have to come back in this body or in another birth or as, as whatever, if it's in your service. Be because, my dear Lord, please don't ever let me forget you. Let me always remember you and never forget you. And let me serve you in any way you want me to, wherever you want me to. I don't have any need for liberation. As long as I can have you. I have you in my heart. And I get to serve you in whatever way you want. Now that's a big expression of love. You see, now you're letting go of even the desire for liberation. I'll perform devotional service I'm not asking for daily bread. I'm not asking for wealth. I'm not even asking for liberation. I just want to serve you and love you. That's pretty sweet. In the Damodar Ashtaka prayer, that's that. It's you know in the, the month of Damodar we chant this prayer. 
and uh, one of the ver- I think it's the fourth verse where it's the, it says, "My dear Lord, I have no need of of Moshe. I have no need of liberation. I just want to remember your pastimes always and never forget them." You see, so if we truly feel that way, then wherever we are is bliss. If Krishna says, "Well, I want you to come back here and be with me," or "I want you to be with me, but be in the material world." telling people about me. I want you to go bring people back. You see. If Krishna says, I really need somebody to go save the fallen conditioned souls and I want you to do it. Wouldn't that be a great... I mean, that would be wonderful to take up that. You know, Krishna says, please do... Would you please do this for me? Oh, I'll do anything for you, Krishna. So as you're doing that, then you're always remembering Krishna. That's a perfect question. All right, I think we should wrap it up, folks. <coughs> I just want to um, mention that uh, Jivananda Guru will be speaking again on uh, Friday night uh, here, for lack of any other place. <laughs> and uh, maybe tomorrow night, Melina will be speaking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we can do this anywhere. If any of you want to get together at your house, invite some friends. Uh, hey, I'm here for two weeks. Cool. I'm here two weeks, so don't forget to tip your waiter. <laughs> and the Sunday feast. Sunday feast. Yes.